welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for when it's 16 degrees or when it's 18 degrees or when it's 72 Fahrenheit. And joining us today, and that was just an absolutely nonsense intro, um, they, they kind of, they're an, inf- an informative creator of content, I was going to say, because I don't like the phrase content creator and I've been racking my, gra- my brains to come up with something else. I'm just coming up short. It's <laughs> joining me. It's Maggie Bot. It's Marguerite Cottrell. There you go. I don't know how yes, bad hello. that was. Hello. You did so great. That was such an intro. <laughs> there you go. How are you? Um, I am okay. How are you? I am sweltering. It's far oh. too hot in Scotland. We're not used to the sunshine and it means that you can potentially try and play board games outside, but it depends what you're playing outside. You want something that's got like really heavy stuff. You know, there's no point in trying to play a covered card game because it'll probably just like blow away, which is not very good. You have to play like tile-based something or abstract or something. Azul. Hive. Something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hive. Because that's, yeah. Well, you can actually. You can't ruin Bakelite. (laughs) You throw that in a river. Yeah, you can't even have that, you know. You could, you'd probably play out in an electrical storm and it would be fine. Mudslide. You'd be you digging out the hive fine, later. but hive will always be fine. <laughs> they're going to be the scientists are going to be discovering hive in thousands of years and they're going to think it's us like some kind of communicative language that we used of insects and everybody else is going to... Maybe we revered bugs so much that <laughs> we had made these Bakelite pieces. Damn it. Currency is such a better thing. <laughs> oh, no. That's my score column. <laughs> it's 1-0. Oh, I didn't realise it was going to go like this. Um, for people who are joining us for the first time, thank you for joining us. Um, the reason that we do this is because there's quite simply, there's not enough podcasts out there about board games. Um, continue to check iTunes. I can't even find a section on iTunes about it. Um, and the other reason that we do this is because... Um, I like to speak to people in the hobby and not necessarily designers or artists or, you know, developers or creators. Uh, I like to speak to other people who are creating fantastic media to inform you about the hobby. So um, I was asking Maggie Bot to come on <laughs> and she graciously said yes. So thanks yeah, for think, coming on. I think Bez piped up one day where you were asking, like, who should we do? And I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. She's fantastic. She always gets, yeah. She, you know, she either is very informative or continually just gets me in trouble. Um, (laughs) (laughs) One or other. Um, I mean, obviously, we're just gonna chat about, you know, yourself. I think you know. I want to know about you know, obviously, what you're bringing to the hobby. But it'd be interesting to kind of find out a little bit more about about your your history with. The printed and pressed trees. So you want to tell us a little bit about how you got into the hobby, kind of like in the first place? Yeah, sure. Um, so I did not play any like real, you know, the board games that we know as board games now until mm-hmm. twenty. Uh, let's see. I moved to Seattle in two thousand nine. So two thousand nine, two thousand ten was the first time I'd ever seen one. Like back mm-hmm. home, we played a lot of like parlor games like cas- cribbage and casino and uh, spades and stuff like that. But then. I moved to this big city and they had game stores and they're just lined the shelves with all of these games. And I felt like I'd been kind of missing something. 
And so I dived in with both feet. I picked up, and I've said this on a couple of podcasts, but most of them were in the United States. So of course, none of your listeners have heard this. But, um, I, I, my first game was Race for the Galaxy. All right. So I went home and tried to figure out this mind bending amount of, you know, symbols and cards and things. And I was so used to being very good at games that it was trying to defeat me. So I got very like, I will win. And I played it for a couple days in a row with my then boyfriend. And I, you know, I really enjoyed it. And then I picked up, I, I, I will not tell you how much I spent the next time I went to a game store, but it was a lot of money. And I you just started like playing anything anyone would put on a table in front of me. And I went to meetup after meetup after meetup. And so I really just went once I like something, I just want to know everything about it. I want its history. I want like the full scope of it. And um, I just wandered into a game store that was hiring a couple of years later. And I ended up picking up a job there. And so that was kind of my first foray into the also the retail side. All right. And so seven years later now, I'm working in the industry in the retail distribution chain uh, for a company called PSI. Uh, who you may never have heard of, and that's okay because we're all kind of behind the scenes. But um, I help you get games into stores is all that matters, right? You cut the important work here. This that's is right. an important job. I was going to say, did you spend so much money when you were kind of like, when you were first getting into the hobby that you were actually made employee of the month by accident because you were in the <laughs> game store so often? <laughs> I definitely did spend a large chunk of money to, um, but there's a, there's a blessing and a curse to living in Seattle that you could go somewhere every day for a year and the people that work there might not recognize you. <laughs> We're just not that city. <laughs> Do you, I mean, it's not, it's, it's like a shame thing. Did you end up kind of like, you know, I'm going to have to put a hat on today. Not wear no, my glasses. no, no. I have no shame. Like, I have literal no shame. <laughs> I will go in and spend my stupid amounts of money. I guess I have slight regrets of listening to other people tell me what I should play and what I shouldn't because I ended up with a lot of really awful games at first. <laughs> I had the best time just, like, playing things and making up my own mind, but it took me a minute to just elbow people out of my way that were trying to tell me what the best games were. Took a minute. Was... What I mean, what should, I mean, do you still have race race for the galaxy? First of all, I mean that's an important do. question. I mean, I, mean, I have I, it, but I don't play it much anymore. I think I've gotten my lifetime plays out of it, and that's yeah. in the the pl- hundred plus range. Wow! So I think I'm I'm good. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but you got to keep it because it's your first game. You can't kind of get rid of that. Every that would once be an in a while, crime. someone will want to learn it, and I'll teach yeah. it. I don't play in the teaching game anymore so i've learned this lesson yeah things like race for the galaxy and another favorite of mine innovation um, yeah the learning curve is such that if you've played five games you will stomp the person at their first game and it won't be fun for them that kind of stomping yeah so i just i'll teach it to others now i don't really participate but i was a strange kind of heavy heavy ish game because i've seen race for the galaxy i've seen somebody else try to explain Race for the Galaxy. Um, I think I was involved in... What was I doing? <laughs> I think I was like unboxing Wasteland Express delivery service and you know how you've got all the trays and everything so you have to you have to pop everything and then you're putting everything in kind of like the game trays. So it takes like two hours to organise this game but once you've organised it, it takes like two minutes. But during that time I heard somebody try to explain <laughs> Race to the Galaxy to somebody else 
And you know, it's like when you're like, say, maybe doing your ironing, but you've got something on Netflix at the same time. <laughs> so I was kind, of, <laughs> I was kind of like, mm, yeah, okay, okay. So no. I, I have this like, and I didn't know this is an undiscovered like I'm a stupid human trick type thing. Um, yeah. I'm really good at explaining games for the most oh. part. We all have our missteps. I have my bad days. But for some reason, there's something about what I can do in interpreting a rule and giving it to another human that they'll understand it. So I didn't realize quite how hard that game was to teach until I worked at a game store and was trying to teach it to someone um, and then hear them try and teach it to their wife or whomever. And that game is just, it's mind boggling. It's just, it, I'm surprised that it did as well as it did at the time that it it came out. But I can see why, because it's so genius. But it just it the 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 barrier to entry is really high. Is it the rule book or is it the actual complication of the game? Because I've seen barriers to entry on games, like say, um, Cry Havoc, for instance. Oh, Cry Havoc! Oh, such yeah. a shame because that game is so good. It is uh, so but... good, but the rule book. But uh, yeah, Portal just, doesn't really focus on rule books that much, or they they do, but they don't do it in a way that those of us on the on the and the end user side would would be super happy with. But no, but um, bless bless Rodney Smith and all that <laughs> and all that sailing him because if it wasn't for him, I'd still be sitting there going, uh, the rule book would probably be thrown into a couple of pieces and just say, Do you know what, I'm going to make up my own rules just to play along, but um. <laughs> No, I mean that's the kind of rule book is not terrible. There's one rule that if I were to design the game today, oh yes, I'm going to take this masterpiece of a game and and make it better. <laughs> but there is one rule in there. It's the consume step, which the game is done over you know six phases or something. Yeah. Um. So the consume step, the way that it's worded and the way that it works, is really confusing to a new player. And it's the kind of thing that if that game were designed tomorrow by the same exact designer, it would probably be cleaned up. Yeah, it just for the time that it was made, it was, I mean, it was absolutely perfect. But we just we've learned so much now in how yeah. to give people rules that they can use. Uh, it's very rare that I see a game that just has one of those really bad pits in it that you just can't get out of. Um, the consume step is just confusing and weird and hard to get used to. Other games, I mean, other games that you'd prefer to jump into. I mean, with Race for the Galaxy being like your first one. Yeah. Are there is there kind of types of games that'll that'll you know you'll prick up your ears and you'll be oh gotta play this. Yeah. I, I mean I am a cube pusher. Like I just <laughs> anything you tell me, it's like a euro with a bunch of complex mechanisms. I am probably sold already. So like I'm really into whatever Vitel Lacerda does, and I'm I I'm I'm a Steffenfeld head. I'm like fifty fifty on Steffenfeld games, which I kind of yeah. like because I think half the time he designs for a different audience than me, and sometimes it's just these genius like crazy mechanisms that all kind of balance each other and make for really dynamic plays. Um, I I I like anything that's just the mechanisms are what gets me. It's all that like puzzling through of trying to make everything work for you. Anything what's your game publishes is my kind of game. I can would you? Out. I mean, would you? If you're playing, if somebody walks up to you and and they've never played games before, are you? Are you like? Are you likely to go into the kind of the gateway side of things, or would you have gone into the gateway side of things, or would you just say, right, feast for Odin, sit down? <laughs> 
So I I do have a lot of experience with this particular thing, and I kind of take a and this is going to be the the crappiest thing I say all day. I take a sommelier approach. Um, right. I you know I get a sense of their personality if I don't already know them. I ask them a little bit about their childhood gaming and what they liked and didn't like, like. If you hate it every time your brother, like, stole something from you in trouble, like, at least that tells you a little bit about what kind of gameplay they enjoy. And then you just, you know, feel it out from there. I We have so much gaming to, like, choose from these days. I feel it's silly to identify, you know, six games as the gateway games and to ignore everything else. Uh, I'd say the most common one I do, if I'm not going to start someone on those lightish games, I'll either do St. Petersburg or Glenmore as someone's like first yeah. hero. <laughs> first, baby's, baby's first, first hero. Heroes. I was going to say that. It's, it's Glenmore, St. Petersburg, like anything in that. Like it's got a cool little twist on it, but it's not super overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is there stuff? Are the games, I mean, do you have like a huge collection of games? Have you just kept going? It's not, going hu- it's not going huge compared to a lot of my friends. <laughs> I'd like numbers, please. Uh, anywhere from three to four hundred. Maybe. <laughs> it's 425, isn't it? Um, it's 425, isn't it? They're, they're like, they're pouring out of closets. I have them stashed like. Anywhere and everywhere that could hold a game, there's a game. Including inside themselves, there's games inside of game boxes in my house. Both um, game Inception. Yes, exactly. Sometimes there's so much extra room that you can just shove a couple more games in it and it's fine. It's like Splendor. <laughs> <laughs> what have you got in your Splendor box? I've got Scythe and Viticulture <laughs> inside the Splendor. I've seen somebody actually take... Um, take the Splendor box and shrink it all the way down and say, this is the actual size of the box. Oh, I love that one. Little, that like, you need. It turns into like a like a matchbox size. <laughs> exactly. Right? It's kind of like back pocket. It's like, what's it's like what's in my back pocket? One side I've got my mobile phone. The other side I've got my miniature version of Splendor. And it's like, it's really difficult to tell well, the difference friend, between the two. My friend Sue's actually made me a travel Splendor when Splendor first came out. It was like on mini cards with these tiny little oh, wow. poker chips. So it fit in a like a deck box, like a regular deck box. That's pretty cool. Do you still carry it about with you? Um, that's not my carry around game, but it's just not oh. my favorite game on earth. But that's fine. What's your carry around game then? This um, is a whole new thing. You actually have a game oh, that you I, carry around with you at all times. Oh, I I have purse games. Don't I have like they they go through <laughs> trends too. They change around a little bit. Oh uh, dear! What's the current game? Um, so the like all time is no thanks. Like you can just yeah. bring no thanks to anything. Yeah. Um, another one I carry around, which is kind of unique to me, is Oddball Aeronauts. Oh um, right. You, get, you ever met the Nigel and no. them? And I, you guys are at least on the same part of the world. <laughs> yeah. But uh, and then the one that I've been bringing around the most lately. Let's see. I put all of Junk Orbit into a Ziploc and <laughs> carried that around. <laughs> Are you like the person that's like if if you were stuck in an elevator, uh-huh, you'd want to be person. stuck in an elevator with you? And it's like if somebody says you get the call through, he says, "Engineers being here," he says it's going to be like two and a half hours, three hours, and everyone's like tutting, sitting around, and you're like, going, "I know what we can do! I know what we can do! I've <laughs> so got a choice." What you want in that elevator is you want me and you want a mother because I'll have the games and the mother will have snacks. Right? You need someone with kids. I got cheese crackers right here. What else have you got? I brought cheese. I got grapes. I got some sandwiches. 
Right, because you have children. You're probably carrying around yeah. like tissues and snacks mm, and all kinds that, of stuff. I, I, I don't have children, so I can carry around games. I usually <laughs> have to carry around my wallet, to be perfectly honest. What's your wallet going to do for you in an elevator? Um, nothing. Absolutely <laughs> nothing at all. I don't think I've got... I've got a set of dice. I've actually got a set of dice in my wallet. Oh my goodness. What do you play with a set of dice in your wallet? I have no idea. Just like impromptu <laughs> D&D session? Exactly. Anywhere, anytime. Just in case. Do you know what I mean? I could play you. You're stuck in an elevator game. What class do you want to be? Engineer? <laughs> um. So if you're stuck you- in an elevator, what RPG do you play? Um... Do you just play like a? Do you just start as you're stuck in an elevator? Roll well, to see what happens. I think I think that's what you'd do. I think all you would do some kind of um, there's a murderer in the elevator type of thing, and oh. you would just get, you know, you would just get somebody to lie on the ground, and they could be the kind of the person that's been, you know, not here, <laughs> and then everybody else has to guess like who that. the actual murderer is, you know, or or you could do anything at all. You know, you could say you're stuck in a cell. It's anything. It's, you know, it's the imagination could kind of flow anywhere. I would probably just end up saying, um, um, could somebody else GM? Because I'm not very good at GM. <laughs> I'm not quite good at imagination. So, I mean, it's like, Mum, do you not know any stories we could play? <laughs> she said, No, but does anybody, um, I've got, um, I've got some sandwiches. I've got some bologna. Um, <laughs> anybody hungry need some kind of food? I think that's do a better you... way to go anyway. <laughs> Do you manage the collection then? I mean, are you? Are you? Yeah, are, do you oh, ever yeah. call? Do you sell? Do you have to kind of like so get rid we, of a lot we've of things? Got to a point now. So, like most of my collection, like ninety percent of my collection, are just games that I buy. Like I just want to play the games. I want to teach them to people. I want to bring them places. But there's like ten percent that people just hand me at shows and things. Yeah, because I go to a lot of cons. I go to a lot of places, yeah. and I really appreciate when people do that. I try and tell them not to if I don't think I'm going to keep it. But most of the time, they just, you know, they want to, you know, it's a goodwill thing. So I try and find someone in my life to gift those to. My sister and my nieces get a lot of games. Uh, A few (laughs) select friends around town get a lot of games from me. And then about twice a year, I try and do like an actual sale of things that maybe I got my plays out of or I'm not really happy with anymore. You know, a million different reasons. But I do try and cull them down so that they don't literally take over my house. Are you a bit of an enabler then? I mean, are oh, yeah. you are you expanding people? <laughs> I mean, on the other side of it, I know you say oh, I give out these games, but is it on the proviso that you could go around their house and potentially get it back? <laughs> no, 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 back? no, 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 no. This, this is, is this theirs. St- I don't want it. <laughs> this is a storage plan. <laughs> Have you got a spreadsheet of all the games that you've handed out and went? I better go and ask if I can borrow that. No, game. my personal policy about a game, especially under the $20 mark, and this is the same for books and music or any almost anything, is that mm. if you loan out a book or a game and it's under $20 and they really like it, you're probably not getting it back. You should just accept that and move on. Like, I think I've purchased more copies of Deep Sea Adventure. I think I've purchased maybe six or seven copies now in my life. Is that the game that's in the little mint box that yeah, you've got? Like, you've got good. like the little tiles, and then you've got to go down and get the treasure. You're I'm pretty need sure. To. No, I'm pretty sure it's the one with the oxygen. It's in a mint box. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a like little oink game with the oxygen and yeah, blue. yeah. yeah. It's, just, it's light and lovely. You can pick it up I and play it. it anywhere. And 
I, it's just, it's that perfect little, you know, we have 20 minutes before dinner gets here or whatever. You put it on the table yeah. and yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really, really kind of good. It's really, really yes. kind of good fun. So in you, I mean, in your job, do you get, I don't expect you to go into your job, but <laughs> do you get, um, do you get kind of like, is it like a little bit of an Aladdin's cave at work? Do you see kind of the samples do, okay. I mean, Really. So the good and the bad is that I work remotely. So my company right. is based in Atlanta and I am in Seattle. So right. that's, you know, a fair that's amount. A, like, that's a couple of bus miles. journeys. Yeah, that's a bus <laughs> and a. You need to have snacks. You need to make sure you're sitting <laughs> next to the mom on that journey. <laughs> uh, so sometimes people will send me samples if they need my opinion on things. But yeah. like if I'm just selling things or making marketing, I can usually just go buy like online materials only. Mm-hmm. So really, for work, I don't get a lot of physical games, which is, I mean, that's fine. That's not what work is about. <laughs> no. I wish I got everything for free. Yeah, no, but... but on the other side of it, would you not end up like kind of saying, I've got to get a bigger place because... Well, and I wonder know... how like bad it would look if I'm constantly selling off things of the publishers I work with. <laughs> Exactly. You could just say, well, I'm just testing out the distribution model and the retail right. price this could potentially go for. <laughs> well, because we don't, don't work with don't a lot of Euro me. producers. We work with a lot of like lighter card games, oh, right. party games. Oh, God, the party games. And so they're just not my, they're not my personal taste. I can sell them and I can find what's fun in them and who that, who would be the audience, but. Yeah. It's not me to sit around and play like those raunchy little card games and stuff like that. It's just not my good times. Oh dear. Have you ever, I mean, we mentioned obviously Bez, but did you ever get a chance to, have you ever seen or played Yogi or In a Bind? Um, so I saw them uh, at, gosh, some, some trade show over here. Yeah. Uh, I didn't play them. Again, it's just not my good times, but um, I think they're adorable. And I really love Bez's uh, Wibble Plus decks, like the, oh, yeah. like the multi-use cards uh, in one. I always think that's a clever spin. Yeah. My um, my son loves um, Yogi. He just, <laughs> he just, he, you know, he's gone up. He actually has a record about how many cards he can oh, actually gosh. fit about himself. Because if I don't know, for people who haven't played Yogi, basically it's a deck of cards that says you've got to place this card between your thumb and your forefinger, or you've got to place it under your chin, or you've got to place it under on over one eye, or you've got to place it under your arm, and, and so on and so forth. But the beauty of the game is that you, as you play more and more rounds, you've got to keep the other cards that you've already drawn about your person, so you can see these people look like, they look like they've been kind of like... They've been upper altitude deprived of oxygen and they're getting cramps <laughs> throughout their bodies as they're lying on the ground. And then you you hear somebody scream as they've just twisted their elbow in a way that an elbow shouldn't go. And then all of a sudden, you all you hear is, I won! I won! <laughs> I love like that your example is there where I always think of like those exorcist movies where someone's being possessed. <laughs> like that's what they end up looking like. <laughs> You just see their head slowly twisted around. It's like, oh, watch yes, out. Exactly. Barbara, Barbara's going for it. They're going to get one more car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the vertebrae going. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, I played a game called Dancing Eggs a long while back that was sort of in that same mm. vein. That may be the only time I play one of those. 
Dancing eggs is from Haba, and it's got, like, these spongy eggs that you have to tuck under your chin or under your arm or whatever and still bounce the other ones, and it's very difficult. Is it like the magicians that used to do the ma- the magic things with the red balls, and they were foamy balls? Is that kind of thing? Where they just, like, go, here's I wish it was that foamy, but they're, like, they're, like, they're, like, a, they're, 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 they're more viscous. I don't know. They're, like, a... Like a warblow. Like, they're, they're, I, they're solid. <laughs> I don't know if I'd like that. <laughs> no, it's hard. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I would like that. I had this um, nightmare, too, of, like, this chi- tiny child I was at, that was in one of the stores I was working at that was throwing those eggs at a light fixture. So maybe I'm just, like, set up to be angry about that game. <laughs> Did that? Is that? Did you say that was a dream, or did that actually happen? No, that actually happened, and then their mother didn't stop them. I was very not happy. (laughs) I I think there's only one thing to do in that situation, which is to throw the the child out. Just I was gonna say I was gonna say rugby tackle them to the ground. (laughs) Now that might hurt me. So (laughs) I I suppose. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. You know. As, as long as you're concentrated on the most important person, I just think it would teach them to um, to not do that ever again, and also they would obviously spread the warning for you. <laughs> but then probably you would get kids coming in and say, "Well, let's let's see how good they are at um, tackling me," and then run around the shop. <laughs> you know, it'd end up like some bad kind of American football game. Um, is is there is there stuff? Is there stuff? That's such a brilliant. Wow, that's a precise question. Are there yeah, other gate? There is definitely stuff, um, and some of it's blue. Um, are there games at the moment that you are kind of excited to to kind of get your hands on or to have a have a have a go of or get to the table at the moment? Uh, yes, I played uh, Carthago from Capstone recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was a remake of a game I had never played before because it was, I think, a little bit before I started playing games. And it's just like a really delightful medium weight Euro, which Capstone usually does kind of heavier stuff. And it was yeah. just a delightful little game that I played a demo of at Origins. And then I took it home and I told all my friends, oh, it's just like light and stress-free and we'll play it through. And then I played it for the like the full game all the way through. And I was like, oh, wow, this is tighter and way more difficult than I thought it was. <laughs> I'm like, I tricked you all, I'm sorry. <laughs> you getting stares at. Did you did you get rugby tackled as you walked out the door? <laughs> don't bring don't bring that game back in again, please. I'm gonna have to like don't force mind. it on a different group now because I think that group is done with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, well, and everybody's gonna kind of fade going, Well, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm tired <laughs> after that game. And then, yep, okay, see you later, Maggie. Bye. And you're like, it's half past eight. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but don't, you know, but you know, it's getting dark outside. It's like, it's summertime. I, I know. Bye. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, do you see, um, I mean, is it other ones that you're looking at? I mean, do you ever venture into kind of like the Kickstarter realm as well? I mean, I've I guess nature of your job. I many a game. <laughs> I think I'm at like 150. Something stupid. Like, like a super backer. Yeah, well, they, I think they give super backer at like 20, co- 20 games or something. No, they don't. It's 100. Oh, God. <laughs> don't tell me that. I don't know. Um, I I was past the point before they started doing the super backer stuff. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> you just got the email through saying you've got the badge, and it's like a badge of shame. It, it's a well, badge. It is. It's 
like, calm down now, everyone. We don't need to advertise. Well, I I, so I do a lot of Kickstarter, but I also kickstart, like, anything that's going to go to retail in a regular sense, I'll just yeah. kickstart for a dollar to help spread the word if I think that mm-hmm. they need it, and then I'll buy it at retail later. Um, I... I was much more a fan of Kickstarter in the olden days. Uh, when I started Kickstarting stuff back in my day, uh, you would pay people money for their dream. And it was like their tiny little dream that they had no hope of actually doing. That's so funny. And you'd That's hand so them funny. money and it would go away and you'd probably never see something out of it. And I just found it more charming. <laughs> when you're doing that, do you actually say to people, no, Sonny, I remember when Kickstarter. <laughs> oh, God. And this yes. was no, this was nothing but fields. <laughs> and now look at it. Look at it. <laughs> look at it. Now look at the state of it. These people, <laughs> these people that are back in Kickstarter now, they had no idea what it was like four four years ago. These young whippersnappers well, coming we're in. Watching people do their formula like Kickstarter, you can basically predict what everything will look like, the colors they'll use, the graphic design they'll use, the shape of the cards, the weight of the cards. Everything is so formulaic now. I just, it's not as charming at all anymore. You get better product, of course, but yeah. the game quality is about the same. So I don't know that that's much better. Are you, is it a lack of innovation? Do you think there's a lack of innovation? Because I still see nice little games coming out, like, you know, um, Seize the Bean, which was quite. I backed it, but I haven't nicer. played it yet. I haven't seen it yet. I think. Oh, okay, still I was like, "Whoa, no, I haven't seen it." <laughs> no, I totally backed it because it looked <laughs> fresh and different with a different perspective. Yeah. Like it looked neat, and I think no, I'm not like bitter at all about how successful most Kickstarters are. I think we have three thousand games coming out a year now, world or not yeah. even worldwide. This is mostly English speaking countries that I can quote that from, and. Yeah. You know, of those 3,000, only X amount are going to be both good and in my wheelhouse. But because there are 3,000 now, the number of games that I will like is probably more than five or six years ago when there weren't quite as many coming out. So overall, I'm probably being better served. I just, there's, it's it's hard to get through all that noise. Like, Seize the Bean, I almost didn't know about. I just found it on a, on a lark, I think. I actually looked through all of Kickstarter tabletop games one day. <laughs> I think, no, I think we had them, I mean, we had them on the show. But yeah. one of the reasons that they kind of came on the show was because they had, like, the actual sugar cubes and the actual beans. And I was like, I have to speak to these people. I need to find out <laughs> what's, what's kind of going on. There, I don't know. I had, like, Joseph Chen for, who did Fantastic Factories, and that seemed like a really, really cute game. And there was... Uh, um, and then Assembly at the uh, Janice Turner from Assembly on. I've and I all gen- the things you've mentioned, so I feel good. And, and Joseph Fire- is local to me, so yeah, Joseph is is really really nice. Fire Tower, did you see Fire Tower? No. Oh no. Potentially, but it's maybe quite 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 light. I don't know. Did you see the um, the announcement from Monolith yeah, about what they're doing <laughs> with that? And- Honestly, Monolith has done nothing but upset me since they started so they just they're gonna do what they're doing i'll be on the other side it's fine have you thought about getting those little foamy egg things and just chucking it, at <laughs> just chucking it <laughs> cool. um, or even or even better give them some and say if you hit that light i'll give you i'll back your game no what and i thought about doing th- is literally like going through like ms paint and 
putting clothes on people and handing it back to them. <laughs> oh, Just like dear. a little copy paste. Uh, that's not I, fair. That's not true. It is true. It's kind of true. It's Look, pretty true for their games. But now I, I, the whole, like, they're not doing through retail, which totally makes sense to me that their yeah. games are not really retail appropriate. I totally agree. Their their margins don't work for retail. Yeah. But then for them to be like, no, this isn't actually a pre-order now. I get it. It's business smart. But so much of gaming was built on passion and and people doing the things but not really business acumen that for someone to make such a business forward decision is really off-putting to a lot of us even though it shouldn't be like we should recognize that as what it is like that's a smart decision to make but all of us are like not the spirit of the thing (laughs) i think everybody's saying that at the moment i i'm not sure i'm I'm yet to see what happens I, i just you know my my bugbear with it as with always is that I ain't gonna get Monolith coming on the show. I mean, I've had Mantic on the show. I've, you know, I've had somebody from Steamforge on the show. Yeah. I'm continually talking to Simon about them getting on the show, and I've now had the court order through to say not emailing them anymore, which is always fun. Um, but then I get, as I say, we get, you know, the smaller guys, not the smaller guys, because that's not fair. Because Joseph Ten, Joseph did like a hundred thousand. <laughs> he ended up like at one hundred and fifty thousand well, dollars. So. You're talking to the guys with the Dark Soul license. That's like yeah, a huge exactly. Deal. Yeah, they they did a couple of million. But um, I'm concerned about the guys that are coming on with targets of fifteen thousand, twenty thousand. Just if this, if Kickstarter's going to turn into this kind of oh, it's a brilliant deal. Look, you can pre-order it. I'm not sure. I'm wondering if that should then be, well, you're in a different section of Kickstarter. Because my concern is they're still going to stick Monolith right in the middle among everybody else. And it's just going to be this pre-order thing. And they I just are. Want, I, yeah, I, just, I just, I don't know. Well, and here's my other beef with that. And you kind of touched on it. Was that um, the Kickstarter goal about maybe four or five years ago. So I have I have the benefit, luckily, of knowing a lot of people that make Kickstarter games. And there started to be a trend of instead of putting your goal at whatever the actual number of dollars you needed was, yeah. they would put this really low goal so that they instantly fund. And then they would have in their minds like a dollar amount that they needed to hit to actually send through the product. So maybe their goal was 6000 but they actually needed 32000 or even higher And if they weren't approaching that number quick enough or KickTrack wasn't, you know, saying that they would hit it, they would just cancel their projects. And I thought that that was like, that was the first step that I saw of Kickstarter becoming something that it wasn't intended to be. Yeah, it's become um, commercial. Uh, but not in that kind of sense, which is fine because it's a business and I can, I can understand that and I respect that. And in order for a business to either maintain its edge, maintain where it is or to grow going forward, you have to look at potentially sometimes doing things which not everybody kind of agrees with, mm-hmm. but ends up becoming something like the norm. I see, yeah, I mean, I see this all the time. I'm seeing kind of guys saying this and what's your, what's your, um, what's your goal? And it's like, well, it's 10k and it's like, there's no way you're making that game for 10k and it's like in retrospect you find out that actually if they hit 15 like you said 15 16 17 that's actually means that they're not having to dig into the savings in order to in order to make their game actually happen and i'm like that's a terrible situation to be in but then on the flip side of it you get games like say one last job 
where the top fund for it was like 40k was the funding goal. He made 12k and then the game finished and it was like, and folk were saying, well, your funding goal's too high. And it's like, no, this is what I need in order to make my game because of the components and everything like that. So he's going to have to come back and probably put the game funding goal at 20 grand instead. Which I I wish people would be just a little bit more honest. Maybe that game doesn't need to be made if there's not an interest already in the market. Mm. And the the price of components to what you want to do is too high. Then you either need to rejigger and like make a different product final like an end product or maybe that game doesn't need to be on the market and that's the that's the one thing i I, you know i I wish fewer games got made overall because i I do think that there's just a lot of noise for every good game there's 10 bad ones now and that wasn't necessarily the case 10 years ago yeah i i don't know it's difficult because i'm always concerned i'm missing out on the little gem that is out there, that is going to be kind of fantastic. And you kind of look through it and you can see them, and I can see the other ones, which I'm just saying, you're you're going to fund, but I don't know if this game is actually not just something else that is already kind of out there. I don't know. It's a dif- I mean, it's a difficult one. It's a well, difficult if your goal one. is just to fund, you can, you can go online and you can look at like three different websites that'll tell you exactly what you need to put in your game the things you need to say and the things that need to be in like the the styling of the game and you can fund like the, the formula exists for a reason because people have just found a very consistent way of getting money into their projects but if you want to actually make a good game and still find your audience for it it's a very long process and not everyone is very good at the the beginning part of that which is finding their people building the community part it it's a it's a different question right kickstarter is two sides of like either you hit really good on one project and then you just use that same audience over and over and over like your tiny epics do that or yeah. you know you have to build it from scratch somehow and find people and not just spam them and get them excited and get them to to, to share your stuff and you know it, it's either that or you just you know throw some minis in your campaign and put them as a stretch goal as you go it's, it's just it's, a nightmare though it's, it's i mean just, i can yeah. i can imagine i mean for you and me doing the social media stuff, I can do that morning, morning, noon, night. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Don't ask me to tie my shoes though, because I'm rubbish at that. The practicalities of doing something. If I did a Kickstarter, it, everybody would know about it, you know, because everything would be, I'd know how to be noisy. That's, you know, I've, that's on my school reports. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, I'd struggle with potentially, the design side of things, maybe I know I could potentially make something look good, but I think what would happen is somebody would play my game and then go, but if you do this, the entire thing breaks <laughs> and I can run away and kind of win. <laughs> but then I see these fantastic designers who are just like sitting there going, um, I missed out on making noise class. I don't know what I'm meant to be doing. And I know I'm meant to be launching my Kickstarter in kind of like a couple of, you know, kind of like a couple of weeks, but um, I don't know. It's a difficult one. Well, I think all of us in social media, and I'm going to speak for everyone now, uh, every once in a while, like, someone will get you, right? They'll they'll DM you like, hey, have you seen my Kickstarter? And you're like, hold the phone. Can I talk to you about your approach here? Do you want to have a conversation about social media? So, like, I'd say once a quarter, maybe a little bit more often. I will just, I'll take someone aside and I'll just be like, don't auto-DM me first. Let me tell Mm. you about your strategy. Let's talk social media. How are you going to do your marketing? 
And I've, I've had an okay time doing that. A lot of people are really receptive to it because as soon as I see certain behaviors that like, oh gosh, there's the Kickstarters that at content creators and then just say, please check out my Kickstarter. Yeah. And you can just, you see them trying because they don't quite understand how, how social media works. So they, they try whatever they think is going to be the most effective. And so every once in a while, all of us have to take our time out and just give them the 101 version <laughs> if they're not willing to either research it themselves or hire someone to do it. But uh, I don't know if you put that into a budget. I mean, I know that I would, I would, I, I know that I, I know that I think it pays wouldn't. in, 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 in tenfold good social media and good marketing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I have but, no doubt of that. I don't think it's something that most people put into an actual budget when they sit down and decide, yeah. About kind of making the game and stuff like that. Yeah. I think there's a lot of businesses that, well, creators, they would have done a lot well if they had just reached out to people beforehand and just said, guys, you know what you're doing. How do I get this out there? How do I make as much noise as possible? And I have, <clears throat> and I'm, I mean, you do get contacted a lot by guys that are saying, well, um, <clears throat> you know, any chance of coming on the show? And it's like, yeah, when's your campaign? It started Tuesday. <laughs> And it's like, yeah, come on board, you know, step on board and, and see see kind of where it goes. I yeah. see kind of, um, I see a lot of first-time creators becoming kind of like second and third-time Kickstarters, though, that they're having to maybe run their campaign two, three times in order Which, to get themselves As much as I feel for them, I think it's a great learning process, and I hope that they take it yeah. and run with it the next time. Because I, I would much rather see them fail the first time to do that much better their second, third, fourth time than just kind of sneak to their goal, like just barely to their goal the first time and then do that same thing over and over, which you see sometimes where people never really learn their lessons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of the the content creation side of the oh, I hate that phrase. The- I know, you can use whatever you like. Say whatever you want. I, you know, then I'm not going to say noise. Stuff, just say stuff. It's fine. <laughs> noise goblin. Yeah, um, that's perfect. That's that's good. <laughs> I'm a noise goblin. What do you do? I create noise. <laughs> um, I mean, you. I mean, you've been involved in that side of things as well. You do your videos and stuff like that. I mean, what is it? Just a drive to say I'd like to get something out there that's my own. I've, you know, I want to contribute back to the kind of the community that's. You know, or the games themselves, which have given me a lot of enjoyment. I mean, what what was what kind of made you decide you were going to do that? Yeah, it's definitely multi-purpose. I, in my previous life, before I was into games, I was very into movies, so I did some movie reviews. Mm-hmm. So when I got into games, and I, I will say there are some really embarrassing old videos of me doing like rules run-throughs. I am um, going to watch them all. No, <laughs> but I, I don't really mind if people watch them now, but I just, when I got into game review, I was like, oh, people do rules and then they get yeah. their review. And I kind of like watched, I watched a lot of content. I was like, okay, so you should do like, you know, anywhere because these are euros. So eight to 15 minutes of rules and then about three minutes of review. And over time, I very much realized like the rules part of it should just be that by itself, kind of like what Rodney and, and Paul Grogan yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, And review can be as long as you want. I didn't have to stick with this three to five minute, because I was never going to make my... I, my job was never going to be content. I'm never going to be a reviewer as a as a paying, like, day job. 
So I can just do whatever I want. So now, like, I vlog when I want. I make lists sometimes, and sometimes I just talk, and sometimes I interview people. And I've had a much better time of it once I just got over having to do something rather yeah. than doing whatever I wanted. It becomes a bit of a pressure thing for you to create yeah. kind of videos, create blogs, create podcasts and stuff like that. I see a lot of um I see a lot of other people, my peers, kind of going down this route where they kind of I see people do videos and then the next thing you do they're doing a podcast or people are doing podcasts, the next thing you do they're kind of doing videos or they're doing written reviews and I think that it's um it's almost expected if you're there for a while that you're going to end up kind of doing at least two of the three kind well, of thing. I, I mean, I do a mix. I had a podcast for a very long time. I'll probably have another one someday because they're yeah. just different mediums, different audiences. A yeah. lot of people that like to follow me don't watch video, but they drive a lot, so they want something to listen to. And so mm-hmm. we've discussed that, especially because I do feel like I have a pretty good perspective on things. So yeah. I do think I, I give some some relevance in a very crowded place but the other thing that drives me a little bit batty is when people are so excited by any given success in that in noise is that they start you just start seeing that same behavior of like tons of kickstarter previews and everything they say is a million positives and you know just everything that comes out is the best game they've ever played and their top 10 is constantly from the last two years and I just I think people get really really excited and they lose focus a little bit. They just they go a little off the deep end and yeah, they they try and stretch into written review and podcast and video and live streaming on Twitch and 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 and. And that kind of thing just you get numb to it. It's not exciting anymore. Yeah. I think it becomes a job. And and this and it shouldn't be at least for for me and my purpose. It's never going to be a job. It's just going to be something for fun. Because I don't want to make games, so that's kind of like you either make games or you talk about games, right? Yeah, exactly. I think there's always, and we always say this all the time, is that there's always, I think everybody's kind of usually got some kind of little game at some point that they're wanting to thinking, well, this could be the one that could maybe create something out of there. Um, I mean, I'm under no illusion. I'm not. This isn't never going to be a kind of a full-time gig. For me. I mean, and for two of the thousands of podcasts, it could be, but the things you have to do and the backs you have to scratch and all the stuff that comes with it, it's just not how I want to live my life. You know, like it's possible, but it doesn't sound fun at all. And it it's will, every, it'll it's ruin every gaming con. For you. Yeah, I mean, it's every con. It's then when you you've got a pile of games you've decided to review because you know you've got to review these five games because you know that everybody else is on the same list that you know is going to be reviewing these five games and if you don't put your <laughs> reviews out then you're going to be missing out on your kind of your, your kind of your viewership i see i see that i don't know i don't know it's not it's not about it's about being content with what you're yeah. doing being content yeah. with being content with your content but <laughs> knowing knowing that you're saying well i don't particularly want to be working um 8 hours 16 hours, 24 hours every week in order to, to kind of get something out there. Because I think it becomes fairly obvious if you you can end up getting frustrated, you can end up getting stressed. You can I see for all the podcasts that start, for all the, the kind of the, the new media people that are putting out stuff and you see six six months down the line, they've just gone, they've just disappeared. And it's either down to the fact that they've realised that 
this isn't just a wading in and starting making lots of money through like a (laughs) Patreon or something like that. Or they get to six months and they just say, this is actually, you can't take a break. You can't take a rest. You can't take your foot off the pedal. I've kind of seen that with the, not really. I mean, we've always been okay with people, but with us moving house, not putting out as much, as many episodes as we normally would, um, my interaction with everybody isn't as much as possible and it's very easy to kind of feel that you've stepped off the highway down the slip road and you're having to play kind of catch up which is a bit which is kind of like a bit kind of strange um you know but it's just one of these but it's kind of one of these things would you i mean are you so you're in this nice position then where you're just kind of able to produce stuff whenever you want to you know, kind of like master of your own domain, basically. Yeah, a little bit. And I'm I'm really lucky that the community kind of followed me from one thing to another. And I, I have friends and community pretty much on little corners of the internet. Um, I had kind of an unfortunate, like, two computers and a, and a camera and a lens in a row break this year. So <laughs> the content I produced in the last eight months is almost nil. But yeah. luckily everything is fixed again. And I'm just about to start recording again. And it just... You know, and those things are such a huge setback for someone who works. Like, it's just me. There's no backup team here. No, no. uh, But I have been extremely lucky in just meeting people and knowing the people I know. And I do every once in a while accept review copies. But I've unfortunately had the worst luck with review copies that I just don't (laughs) think I want to do them ever again. Well, you can't just say something like that and then not. At least explain well, I, one of the worst lucks with. Do you do review copies at all of things? I we've done a couple. I can't okay. say. I mean, I I mean, we had um, what was it Darwin's Choice? Okay. But that's because I really like the artwork on the game. And then Sean Epperson um, oh. asked us to review kind of Seals of Cthulhu, but we didn't review Seals of Cthulhu. We just I wrote a a rant about why he didn't have any seals in his game, Seals of Cthulhu. <laughs> but that's because I know Sean very, very well. And that's so funny you know all these Seattle people. What are you doing? Why aren't you over here? <laughs> I just Sorry, I know, know Sean too, so that's great. No, I mean, um, so, like, I've probably in my life taken about 12 review copies total. And that's right. in somewhere in the neighborhood of six years, seven years recording stuff. And almost every single time... The dates that we agree upon are not correct for when I'll receive the thing. And mm. then every once in a while, by the time I get the thing into my hands, the Kickstarter is already live and they're wanting a quote for the Kickstarter. And I get so frustrated that my whole brain just shuts down. I just can't. Like, I should not say oh. something like I did. And, and Maggie Bot said, um, I haven't had the game yet. <laughs> my quote. Well, and I just, I'm so stressed because I'm like, oh, okay, I got to put a. I, I could put this on a table like I I personally like if it's a I don't know some games you, you can play once and kind of get the, the the gist of it I guess but especially for complicated games I want I want to play them at different player counts and I want different accountings I want people who have played before and new people and I like to get a pretty well-rounded look at a game and it drives me a little nuts to be like oh I guess I could play this once and give you a quote it's gonna be like the pieces sure were pretty I I don't know what else to say. Exactly. I I really like the glue that you used to sticking down the obvious cut out front page for the box art. 
Well, I, I, I like people. I'll, I'll post a like an Instagram picture of something I'm playing, and people are like, "How do you like the game?" I'm like, "I don't know. I just played it yesterday. Give me a minute. Like, I just I need to think." <laughs> exactly. Could I just, you know, I'm gonna have a cup of tea here. I and do. I'll I like wait. to I'll like, you know. ruminate on the things I do to make sure that I believe the things I'm saying because they get quoted back at you later. <laughs> No, and there's no way you, there's no way you can take them back. You'll see like a quote on Kickstarter, and you'll just be like, um, "I didn't kind of mean to say that in the way <laughs> that that came out. That was kind of like the wrong part of the sentence that you took, kind of well, thing." And a lot of the times, you'll play a game once, and maybe you'll be enthralled by some thing that they did really neat, but then you play it eight times, and boy, howdy, is that game boring or samey or whatever. So I, I just I think it's like premature to ask people for such early quotes on a game, but like it doesn't the, matter. Uh, like people don't care anymore. Games only sell for the first two months they're out anyway. And I don't know, burn the world, <laughs> <laughs> burn the world, and rugby tackles kids <laughs> who are throwing who are throwing foam eggs at things. No, I kind of think you're right in the terms. Not the burn the world thing. Oh my oh. word! You know, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, if you're gonna use that, make sure the, the make sure the kindling's really dry. Um, <laughs> I no, I think there is this. We're in danger of falling down the same trap which the video game market throws down, mm-hmm. which is that you get kind of reviews appearing. You get the day one review when the game's out before like the games had a chance for people to settle in and find out if it's a really kind of long tail. Mm-hmm. I think you do see it with Kickstarter though. Um, I think that there's been um, anachrony I think springs to mind (laughs) where people are like um, you know it's like eight months down the line when the original kind of hype was about and then people are actually saying listen this is really really good this is actually really good I think most of the folk that I've heard kind of talk about it have come back and said no you have to play this game because this is this is really really good Um, and it had a buzz about it, but it's almost like there's a long tail buzz on some of the games out there, which I think, I don't know if that's maybe, that must be a Kickstarter game, because I don't know if I would see that in retail. It was retail definitely Kickstarter. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had a little trouble with Anachrony. I liked the game itself, but I don't like those kind of overblown, overproduced type games, and Anachrony definitely falls into that. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a, I mean, for a very simple game, like at its very core, the game is pretty simple. There's a lot of bits, there's a lot of setup, there's a lot of takedown, so I had a little trouble with that. But I loved that little, I don't know, I, I used to call them loans, but it was like your time travel thing where you like borrow from yourself. Yeah. I was just calling yeah. them loans because like in my head it was like a Martin Wallace game. And I could just take the loans. That was fine. <laughs> it's like payday resources. <laughs> That's exactly kind of what thing. it is, though. That's it's how a I would it to people. There's a little, like, kind of, usually at the bottom of the card, and there's a small print that says, you know, representative 2,500 million APR percentage kind of thing. You've got to pay it all back. I, yeah, I'm going to wait to see. But, I mean, how is, I mean, do you see you being in the retail, the retail space yourself, okay? Is it difficult to get games that are going from a Kickstarter to have that long tail into retail. Yeah. I mean, are, are they generally kind of gone within a kind of like a couple of months? Is that it? I mean, re, I mean, I see like, like, look at Gloomhaven, for instance. Massive success. Well, everybody Gloom- really, Gloomhaven you know, everybody is the one person. That's the anomaly because it's doing really exactly. well at retail for no good reason. 
I, I like Gloomhaven, but that's a, like a hundred million dollar game. It weighs yeah. twenty pounds. It yeah. literally weighs in 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 it, it shipped. It's twenty one pounds in its box. Um, so that game shouldn't do well. But Isaac Childress, like, I don't know. He just he found that lightning in a bottle that one time. Um, I will say that if a game is Kickstarter or not, most games mm. really only have their first two months really? in retail. After that. They need an expansion. They need a new edition. They need an, some sort of new buzz. They need to be picked up by a national outlet, like an NPR or something. Um, yeah, it, I'm talking United States specifically, of course. Now, but um, they need they need something outside of the gaming hobby to pull more focus to it. Um, otherwise, you know, games just don't last anymore. And I don't know that that was that different that long ago, but it, it was certainly a longer tale than it has now. Um, we do have those 1% games, like your power grids, your ticket to rides, and those types of like evergreen yeah. titles that will just never die. Yeah, Dexit. I always see Dexit. I was in the bookstore today, yeah. um, Big Chain, and they had Dexit on the shelf. They had Scotland Yard as well. And they also, they also had Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, and that was just like sitting there. They also had Fallout, the board game. I've heard Fallout's actually really fun. Yeah. I've not played it yet. I've heard it's really, really um, fun. I played Outlive I know, yesterday, like... and it got a lot of comparisons, so. Hmm. No, oh. it was $70, roughly, so it was a bit of chunky change. I can see why it's been left, because I saw it a bit. I was in the same bookstore about five, six weeks ago, oh. and it was there as well, and I thought, I think, do you know what's going to happen? This is it. This is going to be non Non people looking at board games next to the Harry Potter stand. So looking at the Harry Potter stand, they turn around and say, "Oh, well, what are these?" And they see Dixit sitting there for like, f- you know, thirty five, thirty five dollars. And then they go, "Oh, Fallout! I recognise Fallout. My son plays Fallout." And they pick up the box and they go, seventy dollars. You're having a laugh. <laughs> it just gets <laughs> thrown. It just gets thrown across the. Well, just gets thrown I, across the room. I really think that licensed games. I I think. And this is 90% of the time, because you're always going to have anomalies no matter what you do. But 90% of the time, a licensed game should be designed, geared toward the everyman, you know, the video gamer, or whatever the license comes from. You yeah. want that fan to enjoy the game the most. Not necessarily us 1% niche picky gamers who want like a million mechanisms and we want all these other things going on. I think like a, a Fallout game for thirty dollars is like a no brainer for a Fallout fan. But yeah. for seventy there's just there's there's no way, right? <laughs> well that's more expensive than the actual video game. Oh you really? Know? Uh, yeah. I, I don't mean... play a lot of video games. I play like things on my Switch. And <laughs> so Oh. I don't know okay. what things cost. <laughs> no, I mean I just I kinda looked at it and I went, I'm I I I know I'm gonna come back in six months. And that be, like, game, clearance down. It's still gonna be sitting on the sh- it's still gonna be sitting there. At the full price, or it's going to be in a clearance thing. If it is in a clearance thing, I'd probably take a punt on it because I have heard some very, very good, kind of very, very good things. Oh, I've, about I've heard it. some very reliable opinions tell me that I should play it. I just I've never played a Fallout game, yeah. So I I I was just not inclined to try it without you know being in a con and someone putting it in front of me or something. Yeah. I know. I know. Because it's it's a risk because there's so many games kind of kicking about. It's like well. My time is precious to me. Am I sitting down? Am I playing this game? Am I sitting down? Am I kind of playing that game? Which is, yep, you know, sure. it's just like, you know, and and people are saying, well, there's two, there's two different types of board gamers nowadays. There's a board game collector, and there's a board game player. That there's a guy that has all the games that come out, and they have them 
you know, really, really well organized and they have them, you know, in shrink wrap and they have them alphabetized or whatever. <laughs> and then there's other person that has less games. They maybe have like 50, 60 games, but they're all played. They're all getting played kind of multiple times. And these, this person is pruning their collection kind of as they go, which is always, it's always like really, really strange. So, um, for you, you said you're going to get back on the horse, not literally. Yeah. <laughs> not a real horse, per se. No, but... It's like a video camera type horse. <laughs> it's, got, it's got a video camera for a head. Um, it's like Westworld. Um, what kind of things? Are you, I, I mean, are you going to go straight back into the reviews? I mean, is this a time for you to have some cogitation and reflection and maybe decide to do something a little bit different? Or are you just... Look, I am just getting back on this horse and doing the stuff that I did before because I know there's an audience. And I'm never I don't gonna be want... like a sketch type person, like you know, like actual lol or the Shepherds and yeah. guys. They they've got that covered. <laughs> yeah. And so the section of the internet that I seem to at least I feel I have a good voice on is playing some of the heavier stuff and giving my opinion about them and talking about teaching and strategy and kind of like maybe maybe a little bit more of the background of the game not just like did i like it (laughs) yeah i I feel like i go a little further into just like how easy was it to teach how many plays do you think you'll get out of it before the next thing comes your way and and really that's i found my audience it's not a large giant audience but it is loyal and lovely and and we we have really great conversations I have one of the least toxic YouTube comment sections on earth. We always have really fun conversations about the games, about other things going on. I've had like full on recommendation threads go through my YouTube comments. So like, I don't really feel like I'll change that part of it up because no. no matter what I do, I want to keep what I built there. Yeah. Um, I can't That's... imagine what kind of content I would want to do outside of what I already do, but you know. Yeah, I always keep it open as something to think about, but I don't want to do rules. I don't. I, don't, I hate rules videos. They're just a pain. <laughs> I don't know if you ever made one. Oh gosh, I I try to, and then I just stop doing. I'm not doing this because I know I'm going to get something wrong. And would and you then... like to edit this for 16 hours? Of course you would. No. Like, because you have to make sure everything is correct. Yeah, well, I hats off to all the people that do it. As I say, it's <laughs> like you know Rodney and Paul, and you know. Just all these other people that are sitting there and going, and then you do this, and then you do that. And I'm like going, I'm so glad you exist, because I would... Well, and every I would... game I play has like 16 exceptions to every rule. So it'd be like, all right, now this should work this way, but let me tell you about all the times it doesn't. Cut to me like an hour just... later, just out of breath and tired. I know. I'd be like, that would be my one and a half hour playthrough of how you play Love Letter. <laughs> By the end of it, you're just like, you have no just hair, like, you've got six cups just, of coffee around you. I don't know like, what's going on anymore, but I swear it was a guard. I've got a full beard. It's like, where's the princess? <laughs> just tell me where the princess is, please. I didn't want to play this. Stand up, flip the table. <laughs> flip the bird at the camera. I've had enough. I'm going to start smoking again. See you later. Get a thing. But no, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it comes back, as I say, it comes back to the 
the kind of the co- the context thing. So, is this are we are we going to expect something after Gen Con then? Are you doing a video, a Gen Con video? Are you? What I'm probably are... going to do literally after today is I'm going to record my thoughts from my origin stuff because I took a right. I took lots of notes. Oh my god, yeah. so many notes. And so, like, I haven't done any Origins coverage, and I got to play a bunch of, play, like, prototypes, which that's yeah. what I like to do at cons if I can. And Gen Con will be work, so I probably won't do a lot of coverage, but yeah. I will be going to Dice Tower Con in, gosh, like, two days? Two days? Wow. Well, two yeah. days. <laughs> yeah. I'm so tired. Um, so I'll be uh, there playing something, hopefully, seeing people um, every <laughs> once in a while. I also contribute to, I don't know if you, you've ever seen Board Game Blender on the Dice Tower Network, but yes. he's a friend of mine, so sometimes I'll like throw a couple videos on there, and I haven't done that in so long, so I'm going to try and record a few and send those to him and surprise him, because he's like, um, do you do video anymore? And I was like, shut up, Z, I do video. <laughs> I do video all the time. I just, I don't, I don't put it out there. It's just, not on the it's just practice. I got to practice. <laughs> I know, the number of unedited videos I have in the, my world is is many. I have recorded a lot of things. It must be. Do you ever get like ones where you just like start recording and it's like every five seconds you're having a stop because it's just not working out? Because I've had that. Yeah. <laughs> I just like that. I hate every this. every once in a while, I I get I get to the place where I don't really script. I don't, I don't like scripts. It's just not my thing. But I I do like an outline. You know, I want to hit this. I want to hit this. I want to hit that. And I'll try and record them in that order, and I'll try and record them, I'll try and shift it around, and then just an hour later I've done six takes and there's nothing is working, and I I will give up. I will, right at that point. <laughs> so, if people are wanting to keep an eye, an eye on you, oh, gosh. just like you should be watched, watch them. <laughs> She's got it until lift, break it. Um, <laughs> where can we find you on the interweb nets? So, if you would just like to hear my ramblings and see pictures of board games and pinball machines, um, it's MaggieBot, M-A-G-G-I-B-O-T, on Twitter, Facebook, Board Game Geek, Instagram, all the things. Um, if you go to MaggieBot.com, M-A-G-G-I-B-O-T.com, that is my YouTube channel. Yes. And then I have kind of a collaborative project that needs to also be rejiggered a little bit called Meeples Included. We have that at MeeplesIncluded.com on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I, I branded all these things just fine. So um, you can just find all the things. Um, we will be revamping, and I'm going to be recording a little bit later today, my first video back in quite a while. Oh, so. yeah, I didn't know I didn't know whether to mention that because I saw oh, it and I was I like, know. oh, it's been a while, and I just didn't want to I'm go. so sorry. No, I, just, it's, I can just tell you that life didn't want me to do recording, and then my camera didn't want me to do recording. So there you go. Yeah, it happens, but that's that's the benefit of it not being my job. So, <laughs> so you're just going to be jumping back on that as well, and um, people's included. What's it's, just it's very... a mixture of people, so it's like a it's a community. It's supposed to be focusing on board games first, okay. with a, an yeah. attitude toward mindfulness, diversity, inclusivity. And okay. I, I have all these fabulous people, but they got super busy, so I need to find more fabulous people, and then I will be re re uh, launching that later this year. So that that's like next on the list. <laughs> something to something to look forward to. Um, I have one more question. It's the only question. Yeah, you know, it's the only question that ever gets written down that I've got to remind myself to do. Um, <laughs> okay, here's a question for you. All right, you. 
you get stuck in a lift. Okay? Mm-hmm. And um, before you were stuck in a lift, you were allowed to um, visit the biggest board game emporium in the world. The biggest board game emporium in the world has every single type of board game for you can ever, ever want to play. First editions, second editions, expansions and everything like that, okay? Mm-hmm. You're in now in a very, very spacious elevator and you realise you're going to be stuck there for a number of hours, but the people you're with are all friendly and chatty and the mother figures there with the food and somebody's brought drinks and, you know, the, the, air con- the elevator's all nice and air-conditioned and everybody's a bit relaxed and somebody's even brought a fold-out table. You've got three board games in your bag or your purse or where <laughs> depending <laughs> on the side of the back pocket what three board games have you brought are they the number of players i would need for the board game Just, yes the idea? okay anything at all what f- if you could have a choice of any three board games to have in an elevator with a group of people what three board games would you have any board games at all no restrictions it's gonna take me a second i'll get there um i'll talk until i get there that's fine Um, i would need at least one probably kanban i would make some gamers out of these people somehow okay um at kanban first i need a cribbage board and some cards and um some sort of like trick taking like a niet maybe okay i think that's what i would do that's cool that's fine (laughs) <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, so you can just play for hours until, in fact, when the engineer turns up and opens the doors, you tell him to come down and they can join you. Yeah, I would teach him the game too. I exactly. would probably gift him the games. <laughs> exactly, we've been playing this in a cramped environment and somebody did start to smell a bit, so we had to, we're glad we were say, out by the, the way, there was also a bathroom in this elevator. I'm just going to put that in there in my scenario in my head. <laughs> there, was a, there was one of those Ziploc bags. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm just going to do a horror movie for now. <laughs> okay, just just going to leave it there. Have you ever um, answered this question? What's that? Have you ever answered this question? No. What were your three games? What my three games to take yeah. with me? If I was stuck in an elevator, uh huh. Um, I would take um, Ashes: Rise of the Phoenix Born. Okay. I would take um, Catacombs Third Edition. Okay. And I would also potentially take, um, I think, Dead of Winter, I think. Ooh, a little betrayal in the elevator before you go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, I don't want to necessarily leave for these people as friends. See, <laughs> Just I was thinking, like, like, Dominant Species would be great, but no, I would not play Dominant Species in a closed environment. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, what I'll do is... All the links that you give me, I'll make sure they go in the show notes so that we have notes to show. Um, if you guys want to keep an eye on what we're up to, go to the Googles, search for We're Not Wizards. You will find us there on Twitter at We're Not Wizards, on Facebook at We're Not Wizards. You'll find us on Instagram at We're Not Wizards. We're on YouTube at We're Not Wizards. We um, beg for things. Yeah, we got a Patreon. Just, you know. Um, but you can find us on all the podcast catchers like... Um, Podknife and Podbean and Stitcher and Speaker and Acast and Player FM and all these fabulous, wonderful places. If you have enjoyed what you like tonight, please jump onto Apple Podcasts and consider dropping us a subscription because that helps us 
very much indeed. If you like us even more, then consider giving us a rating or a review. If you are going to give us a rating or a review, um, don't give us 10 stars because it makes me big-headed. And don't give me one because I'm an ugly crier. But give us something in the middle, like a five because it's average. We are just a little bit average. But the person who's not been average is the rather fun of fabulous, the rather wonderful Maggie Bot or Marguerite Cottrell. Thanks very much for coming on. Thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Um, and there's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards? No. Absolutely not. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Maggie. Say goodbye. Bye. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Roll sixes. And make sure, well, it'll be the next couple of weeks, next couple of months, to jump on and check out Maggie's content. Because... <laughs> Or check out the old stuff. Check out the first stuff. Oh, God, don't do that. <laughs> and work your way forward. My top 100 of all time is, like, the coolest one. Well, do that then. Yeah. Check out the top 100. That would be go. fantastic. But until the next time, goodbye. <laughs>